I got one amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's good to see everybody in the house. It's good to see everyone that's uh, ready for Bible study tonight and uh, excited for Bible study. How many of you are excited for Bible study tonight? Yeah? I get, I get like, pumped up, man. Every time uh, I tell my wife, oh, I'm getting nervous or I, um, you know, I start getting a little jittery and people say, Pastor Joe, you've been at it for so many years, you know, and, and I always say the same thing. Well, the day that I stop getting nervous to come up here, I'll probably call it quits. But um, by God's grace, by God's grace, we're all here today. Amen. And by God's grace, we all had a great miracle happen to us. I don't know if you're aware that it was a miracle. But each and every one of us was able to wake up this morning. We've been able to breathe all day long and didn't even have to think about it. Right? We've been able to do what we need to do. And half of what we do, we don't even, you know, put two thoughts to it. Right? We just do them. Isn't that crazy? We just do. We just do it. And I, to me, that's a big miracle. Um, I don't know if you see life like that, but that's the way I choose to see life. Is that if I wake up in the morning, that's already miracle number one. And I'm very thankful to the Lord for all the, even the little things in life. Uh, when we get a bunch of hummingbirds flying around, you know, the garden, we don't really have much of a garden, but, you know, our flowers or the trees or whatever, uh, I see those as miracles. I love it, butterflies. Uh, and then, you know, when my boys come home, our boys come home and they say they had a great day at school. I hated school growing up. <laughs> I hated it because they would serve string beans. And the smell that came from the cafeteria every time they had string beans um, would ruin my appetite. And so I would tell my mom, I want to burn that school down. I was a kid. I'd come home furious because I used to love to eat. I used to look forward to lunchtime. And, you know, my appetite would get ruined with the smell of string beans coming from the cafeteria. Uh, but anyways, small things to be thankful for. And I believe that a, a, a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing that we can all say we're thankful for today is the life that God's given us, okay? Um, some of us might even say, Pastor Joe, my life isn't that great. Or if you knew what was going through my life right now or what was happening in life right now. Um, you know, there's so many, so many scriptures that I could say, you know what, look at what God's word says, right? Um, but the perspective that God can give you and I. Are you guys listening? Yeah? The perspective that God can give us through his son, Jesus Christ, is that no matter how hard it gets, we can look at it and choose to look at it in several different ways. One could be that it's just for a short little time. Okay? In comparison to eternity and the glory that we will have one day in a restored and transformed earth, the time we spend here in our, our worries, in our hardships, in our troubles are but a short little time. It's a fragment of time, small, com in comparison to, well, Pastor Joe, it still doesn't help, <laughs> right? Jesus told all his disciples, he told all of them, and then as we read the scriptures, he speaks to us, right? Right? And he said to all of them, you're going to have troubles in this world. He didn't say you might, right? He didn't. Do you remember when Jesus told his disciples, you will face many troubles in this world, right? Did he say that or am I making it up? But what did he say after that? What have I done? He said, I have overcome what? I have overcome the world. Okay? You will face many troubles, but in this world, 
while you're in this world, while you're living in this world, he says, but take heart, right? I have overcome the world. So we can look throughout scripture. Why am I mentioning all this at the beginning of Bible study? Honestly, I don't know. Um, the Lord just started putting it on my heart. Maybe you needed to be encouraged today. Um, and I wanted to encourage you. Maybe you came in heavy today before we get into the word. Maybe God just wanted us all, including myself, including myself, to remember from the small to the large things that God does for us. One of the things that we're going to read about tonight in Genesis chapter 32 is that God will fulfill the purpose he has for you in my life. And he has a purpose for all of us, okay, for each and every one of us. Jacob. Jacob began to see the purpose that God had called him to. He began to see it, like, open up and develop. He began to see the purpose that God had for him come to fruition and come to reality right before his eyes. I don't even know if he realized how big, how big of a calling God had placed on his life. That Can you imagine hearing, can you imagine somebody telling you, Frank, that from your descendants, right, if somebody came to me and said, Pastor Joe, your children one day are going to be like world changers. Like literally, they're going to flip this world upside down, right? I'd be like, what? You guys are crazy. <laughs> Imagine hearing from your father and your forefather and from God himself. That your descendants would be so great. They'd be as vast, it says, the scripture says, uh, just like the dust, right? You know, in previous chapters, he said it would be like the grains, uh, the, the grains of sand. But then later he says like the dust. That's even finer than grains of sand. And to think that his descendants, that from him, from his descendants, from his lineage would come the great people of Israel, God's people. And so that's part of what we're going to see in chapter 32. But beyond that, what I want us to go home with tonight, what I want us all to leave with tonight, is that you and I can be somebody who is diligent and getting after, you know, that we're not going to give up. We're going to continue to go after and fulfill God's purpose for our life. And what is that purpose? That we would generously, listen, that we would generously give away what God has given to us, from the grace that God has given to us, from the salvation that he's given to us through his son Jesus Christ, that we would fulfill that purpose as his followers, as his disciples, that we would generously give to others. We may not have a lot of money to give away. <laughs> I was telling my wife, my wife and I were talking about that the other day. Man, if we had millions of dollars... But you know what? With the little bit he gives us today, we try to be generous. We try to be generous. We try to help. We can't help everybody. We can't. But there's times that we'll come across, you know, a friend or a family that we know that is struggling or, or needs some financial assistance for, you know, a funeral, whatever it would be. And the Lord puts it on our heart to help out. We're not waiting you know, sitting around saying one day when we're millionaires, we're just going to give it, give it away. And no, why? Because God has generously given to us. And from that generosity that he's given to us, we do our best to be good stewards of what he's given to us. Our time, our monies, our friendships. You follow me? In all the ways that God puts on our heart to give to others, we generously give to others. And that's part, that's one small part of what Genesis 32 is about. That we would see how God blessed Jacob. And these, last week, do you remember we read and we learned about uh, when Laban was saying to him, you're going to get all the jacked up goats, right? The sheep and goats. You're going to get all the spotted ones. And all of a sudden, all these spotted sheep and goats started being born in the cattle and the herd. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's like every time he meant something for bad in Jacob's life, it would prosper. Was Jacob a perfect man? We learned he's not perfect, right? He was not perfect. 
Was his father Isaac perfect? No. Was his grandfather Abraham perfect? Absolutely not. You go back, there were some dysfunctional families. They were pretty jacked up. I kind of feel, oh, I got, whenever I read those stories, I'm like, okay, I'm in good company then. Why? Because I know I'm not perfect. I know I've made mistakes. Haven't we? We, we have, hold on, let me look around the room. We have fudged it up quite a bit. I'm going to keep it PG because I know we have viewers online. I don't, wanna, I don't want our church to get shut down. I don't want anybody to say Pastor Joe is dropping F-bombs. <laughs> Pastor T. Pastor T is giving me the green light. No. I will not. Okay. I'm just going to try to keep you guys awake for a little bit. It's a little, it's a little warm in here, huh? We need, some, we need a little draft to flow through here, Mama Lisi. Can we open up in prayer? <laughs> Pastor Joe, that wasn't your opening? No, let's open, let's open up in prayer. Let's open up in prayer and let's ask the Lord, let's ask the Holy Spirit, amen, to come and refresh our spirits tonight through his word. Is everybody with me? Yeah? All right. Heavenly Father, I don't know who's come to your house tonight with a heavy heart. Maybe the thoughts that are invading our mind space right now are overwhelming. I don't know who needs of your touch right now, Lord Jesus. But I pray that through the Holy Spirit right now, you would begin to touch our hearts and bring supernatural peace. If that's you tonight, I pray that you would just Take a moment right now to take a deep breath in the spirit of God. Breathe in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That you would take a moment right now to release into his care whatever is troubling your mind or your heart at this very moment. Maybe we just need to be reminded that because of what Jesus has done in our lives, for our lives, we can have a different view, a different perspective of life. That we can look at life through the filter of Jesus Christ. That we can look at our spouses, our loved ones, through the filter of Jesus Christ. So I pray mighty blessing, a mighty covering, and supernatural peace to begin to fill our hearts and our minds. Whatever is weighing heavy on us, whatever is weighing heavy on us, we would release it to the Lord. And not hold it inside anymore. We would not hold it inside, but that we would allow the spirit of Jesus and the peace that he brings to bring soothing, like a soothing balm to our souls tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that is here with us right now. We lend ourselves, our hearts, our minds to you that we may dwell that we may dwell in the shelter of the Almighty, as the psalmist said. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can everybody say amen? All right. Can everybody say thank you, Lord? All right. Bless the Lord. Go ahead. If you want to give a praise to the Lord, let's go ahead and give him a praise. Um, this coming Sunday is our first Sunday of the month, October 1st. Isn't that crazy? October 1st. Can you believe that? Um, the year's almost over. Jeez Louise. Um, and we will have Communion Sunday this week. So um, if that's a service that uh, you haven't been able to be with us, we want to invite you um, to join us Sunday. We want to invite you to be with us every Sunday, honestly. Um, but just a, as a reminder, as part of our church calendar, as part of our monthly calendar, the first Sunday of every month is Communion Sunday, and we partake um, of breaking bread uh, 
together. Amen? Together. We don't exclude anyone. If you have chosen, if you decide that you want to come to the Lord's table, we believe that the Lord welcomes all of us to his table. That's what we believe as a church. And so Sunday, uh, if you join us, uh, you will uh, have the opportunity to partake uh, in the Lord's Supper. And uh, again, next week, if, if we're looking at the first week of Wednesday, everybody say first Wednesdays. First Wednesdays, uh, we have a prayer night. So every first Wednesday of the month, we will have prayer night. Um, here in the sanctuary, it's usually bilingual. We invite our brothers and sisters from our Spanish service as well. We have a simultaneous Bible study that happens right next door in the next building over. If you weren't aware, that's Transitions Hall. Literally, as if you look out those doors, you'll see the walls to Transitions Hall with the arches there. And we have Spanish Bible study that goes on in there right now. Just as we're doing it, they're doing it as well. And um, they join us the first Wednesday of every month. We come together and we have a united prayer time. So inviting you to come out. Don't miss it. We have one of our ministries that leads every first Wednesday. We lead that prayer time. Um, and so we look forward to that week together. Amen. Praise God. That does it for, for my announcements right now. Um, let's get into the word. Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. So I'm going to begin reading, and just so the sake of, of you following me, um, and also to give my text a heads up. I'm actually going to begin reading with the last verse of chapter um, 31, okay? So I found out that in Hebrew text, well, in original manuscripts, there's no chapters, okay? There's no separation of chapters, the text just continues, whether it's in the Greek or the Hebrew text, there's no chapters, numbers. In other words, they're not numbered, um, just so we all know. Uh, but this particular section actually is said to start in verse 55, okay? What we would see as verse 55 of chapter 31, okay? And this is closing out. The portion of this story that Laban is being mentioned in. After this, we don't hear about Laban, okay? Lavan. <laughs> Funny. We say Laban. In Hebrew, they say Lavan. Like Jacob is actually uh, Yaakov in Hebrew or the way it's pronounced, um, not Jacob. We pronounce that in English. Everybody there? Yes? Everybody has it? All right, cool. So, beginning in verse 55, and early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Isn't that beautiful? And literally, the word met here actually means that they had an encounter. But it was an impactful encounter. Okay? It wasn't just a, oh, like a coincidence. Have you ever had a coincidental, okay, run-in with somebody at the supermarket? Oh, hey, what's up? Okay? You ever had one of those? Yeah? Or at the mall? Or at a restaurant, if you go to Sizzler on a Friday night here in Carson, you'll run into, like, a whole bunch of MEFC folks, okay? A whole bunch. It'll be like a little mini, you know, Bible study over, you know, steak and, I don't know what they call the shrimp there, but whatever the specialty shrimp is there. And it, not, it was not that kind of a meeting, okay? It was not that type of encounter. It was a... An impactful moment. I don't know how else to word it to give the type of emphasis that it actually is talking about here. That when the angel of the Lord met Jacob, says met, part of how it's described in the original text is more of a hit, okay, more of, of an impact. Um, and it was an emphasis that 
the writer is giving to this chapter to remind us of what's coming, or at least to give us a little bit of a heads up of what's com coming and what's happening and how impacting this chapter is or this part of Jacob's story. Let's keep reading. When the, angel, when the angels of God met him, says, and the angels of God met him, when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So in other words, he recognizes that the presence of God is there in that place. Do you remember in chapter 28 when he puts his head to rest on the stone? He has the dream. Remember the angels? He has the dream of the angels going up and down the ladder. Everybody remember that? Sumlam is ladder in Hebrew. And he sees the sumlam in his dream. And the angels, it says, are going up and down, right? To and from. It says they're traveling up and down. And then afterward... God appears to him and speaks to him the promise, chapter 28. If you want to refresh that when you get home, it would be cool. Okay, I was reading over it again, and it's so awesome because God is speaking directly to Jacob, and he's saying he lays out the promise. He gives them the plan. He gives them the vision. He gives them what he is desiring and what he is calling him to do, his purpose, basically. This is what I have created you for, Jacob, this right here. And so fast forward now, some time later, actually more than 20 years have passed, okay? That's crazy. And now Jacob is now going to start to actually realize. He's already seen God with him, right? Do you remember throughout the story he sees God's favor? And in last, last week's chapter or the week before, because last week we had the, the girls' graduation, but in the previous chapter, if you recall with me, he begins to see that God has been with him, right? When he goes to his wives and he says, hey, we're going to leave. Your dad hasn't been very favorable with me. You get, does everybody remember that? He doesn't look at me the same way. Remember? But he starts to remind them every time, every time I've encountered an obstacle, every time I've encountered or I have faced hardship, every time things have gotten tough for me. Does that sound like our lives? Does that sound like well, how we sound sometimes? I've, 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 I've had that. But I've been able to say, man, Lord, every time, every time I come to an obstacle in life, every time I have a hardship in life, every time things get difficult in life, you have not left me. You have made a way. You have brought a miracle. You have answered a prayer. And even when you haven't, you've gotten me through the storm. Even when I've had to suffer the storm, right? Even when I've had to go from beginning to end of whatever storm of life, I've seen you there. You've been right by my side. And that's what Jacob is recognizing and he's seeing, wow. Because back in chapter 28, he says, okay, he says, if the God of my fathers, if I see him get me through this and begin to fulfill, right, what he has said is going to happen, if he does it, he says, I'm going to serve him. And then he says, and I'm going to give him my tenth. I'm going to give him my tithe. I'm tempted to go into the subject of tithes right now, but that's not what it's about, so I'm not. Okay. I'm going to show some restraint right now. Because if you wanted to test the Lord, you could test the Lord. If you wanted to, in that area. And you would see God answer. So we'll save that for another one. Let me get back to this verse, or this chapter. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of that place. What is it? Mahanaim, right? Everybody see that? Can you guys see it on the walls, on the screens? And he called the name of that place Mahanaim, okay? Verse 3, then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau. All right. Esau, do we remember his brother Esau? Esau, after Jacob taking the birthright, We'll say purchasing the birthright. He purchased the birthright. 
Now, how did he purchase it, Pastor Joe? You remember? Okay. Yeah. So Esau sells it to him. He's like, I'll take it. He jumped on it. Esau was furious because he took the birthright after that. So now Jacob knows that by going back to his father's land, he has to go through Esau's land. And he's going to have to face his big brother. This is his older brother. And because he knows that things weren't kosher, we'll say that, things weren't cool, right? When he left, there's a very good chance that things are still kind of shady with Big Brother. Like I said, more than 20 years have passed. Because before he leaves Laban's land, Laban's home, he says, right, he starts Le saca la lista, you know. He takes out the list and he goes, for 20 years I have served you. 20 years, right? I have been here. And you have not shown me any kind of favor, yet God has not left me. Okay? Can you believe that? Can you imagine going and living in his home, at your in-law's home, <laughs> For 20-something years and not having their favor over you. Always trying to do some malice in your life or bring malice. Do something evil. Do something bad to you, right? Having to live in that kind of a home, we'll say, with that kind of a father-in-law. And he says... Even though you did all these things, I was loyal. So I want us, I'm bringing this up for a specific reason, okay? We're going to get to it towards the end. And I'm going to try to rush through this right now because I really want to get to that. We have always said, or we have in the past mentioned that Jacob's name means one who is a deceiver, one who is an overreach, one who overreaches, okay? A supplanter, they also use those types of words to describe or say that the meaning of Jacob is that. But when we look at the biblical text and when we look at Jacob's life, that's not who he was. Are you tracking with me? The incident or what happens when he purchases the birthright from his brother doesn't make him a deceiver. Okay? Are you tracking with me? But yet, we've believed throughout the history that when we look up the, Je the name Jacob, if you look it up, you're going to find definitions of what that name is mean. And they will say deceiver, supplanter, overreacher. But when we look at it from the biblical standpoint, it is not that at all. And that's what another one of the lessons that I want us to leave with tonight, that we would pursue a similar type of attitude, behavior, Okay, let's talk about behavior briefly and look at how in his life he was loyal to his father-in-law, even though his father-in-law mistreated him. Even though his father-in-law, it says, changed the wages. Some translations say that he changed his wages throughout that 20-year trajectory. Some of our translations say 10 times. Some of them say 100 times. It's just the way it was translated. It's not that it's a mistake. It's not that it's wrong. Okay, it's to make a point. Because the original word, when he talks about his wages being changed, it just means double. Okay? It just meant double. In other words, he did it a lot. Whether it was 10 times or 100, even if it was once, it was wrong. And he would change his wages or what he was going to be paid because he just didn't want to see him prosper. But yet every time he tried to do things against him, he continued to prosper. Everything he touched Everything he was in charge of, everything he was a steward over, prospered. And yet he says he was loyal to him. He persevered. He stood his ground. He stayed there. And he did his part. He did everything God would tell him to do. Okay? Is everybody tracking with what kind of a man Jacob actually was? Yeah? Okay. 
So then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Excuse me. Thus yourselves, thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. So he's telling them, this is what I want you to tell Esau when you meet him. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. This is the message he's giving them to give to Esau. Everybody tracking with me? His big brother. Okay? So he's sending messengers first, a whole company, okay, a group of them to face Esau first. Then look what happens. Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you. All right. So if I wasn't in good standings with someone, and I get a word back that he is also coming to meet me, that alone is enough for me to say, oh, shoot, right? So he's not saying, go ahead, let him come through. He's saying, I'm coming to meet him too. Let him know. And then, not just that, what does he say next? He's coming with what? 400, right? He also is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. Okay. <laughs> okay. So isn't it, isn't it kind of natural that Esau would have some fear in him? Even though he's seen God provide, God answer, God make a way, God's favor. He's seen all these things. And you would think, why is he afraid? He's overreacting. He doesn't need to do. Guys, come on. Every single one of us in any situation like that, we'd probably do the same thing. We start thinking of strategies. Oh, he's coming with 400? Shoot, well, then I'm going to get 500. Right? We're going to come back stronger. Oh, okay, he wants to meet me? I'm going to go faster and meet him first. We'll start thinking of strategies. Why? Out of fear. Right? Out of fear. Because I started thinking, why is this guy so scared? He's seen God provide. He's seen God's hand. He's seen God's power. God has appeared to him. Angels have appeared to him. They've spoken to him. He's audibly had conversations with them. We can't do that today. And here's this guy. And I'm like, why would he be scared? Hey. That's part of who we are as human beings. He wasn't a perfect man, right? So what does he do? So Jacob was greatly afraid, verse 7, and distressed. So he was afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company, see, he's already strategizing. You know, if we're the same way. Oh, well, if he comes at me, I'm going to do this. Well, if he says this to my face, then I'm going to say this. Oh, I'm going to remind him about that one time. And that he owes me $20, right? And that he whatever it is, we start thinking of we're the same way. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people into two companies. Verse 8, and he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. Then Jacob said, O God of my father, Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies, Hesed, all the mercies, and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. All right, so again, I'm going to go revisit what type of personality, what type of identity, what type of person Jacob was. He was a man who remained humble because he saw so much of what God did for him. 
He saw the mercies. He knew he wasn't a perfect man, but he saw that God had mercy on him. And he saw that God's favor was still on him. He knew he had made mistakes. He knew that he would, at times, he didn't obey exactly what God asked of him. He knew there was times where he failed. But he saw God's mercy on his life. Not for granted, but he said, I will remain a person who will trust the Lord, who will follow God. But he remained humble. He remained humble. And he allowed these experiences with God to keep, we could say, his heart on check. To remind him, right, of who his God was. Everybody with me? Yeah? So what does it say then? I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff. And now I have become two companies. And he's asking, deliver me. Deliver me. Make a way, Lord. Deliver me, I pray, verse 11, from the hand of my brother. From the hand of Esau. I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will Surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. So remember I mentioned earlier that already in his life he's displaying who and what God had in purpose in mind for him to be. That Israel would become a generous, a generous people. A people who would share God's goodness. Right? That's what he desired. That was his purpose. That they would share all the goodness that God would provide. And so he's already thinking, I want to share all these things that I have with my brother. So he's not considering all the wealth that he had because he was wealthy at this point. He had servants. He had cattle. He had money. He was wealthy, financially wealthy. I'm not just talking spiritually wealthy here, okay? I'm talking financially wealthy. He had it, and he had enough that he could say, I want to gift all these things to my brother. Maybe this way he'll accept me. But watch also what's happening here. Oh, there's some cool stuff. Is everybody good? Yeah? All right, watch. Verse 11, deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. Verse 12, for you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Verse 13, so he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. Watch what he starts to separate. Now he's doing this by night. Remember this, okay? 200 female goats and 20 male goats. So he's not just thinking of temporary gifts, but he's, think, he's, he's considering gifts that will be long-term. Do you see that? Ain't that cool? That's pretty wise of him because he's not just saying, I'm going to give him a bunch of goats. No, he's considering, I want him not to only have goats, but I want him to have goats that are, that are going to multiply. And he will continue to be prosperous. That's generosity, by the way. When we think of, hey, I want to bless somebody, but I want to bless them long term. That's true generosity. That's, that's, that's extremely, that's a good practice of stewardship. Okay? Let's keep going. 
200 ewes and 20 rams. So if we're counting, that's already, what, 440, right? 200, 200 plus 20 plus 20. Is my math correct? All right. Just making sure. 30 milk camels. I didn't even know there was such a thing. With their, watch this, 30 milk camels with their colts. Everybody following? 40 cows and 10 bulls. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't giving them everything he had. He was just taking a portion of what he had. It's like, dang, Jacob. Yeah, he was balling. 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants. Every drove by itself and said to his servants, pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. Look at the strategy he's thinking of because of the fear that had, you know, entered his heart. And he commanded the first one, saying, When Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong, and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, They are your servant, Jacob's. It is a present. Has anybody ever come to you with a present from somebody else? No? If they do one day, remember to have mercy on them. Right? Because it's, it's a peace offering. They're extending an olive branch. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau. And behold, he also is behind us. Verse 19. So he commanded the second, the third, and all. So how many was that? One, two, three. Different companies, right? Because he says the second... And the third. So the first, he gives them instructions, and then he says to the second and the third, the same thing. And all of them are to have a distance between them. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the droves, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him. With the present that goes before me. And afterward, I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So something interesting is happening here. As I was looking into this passage, I find out that he's not just talking about being accepted. He's actually, what he's phrasing here is a term of respect, of showing respect to his older brother, but also what he's desiring is that his older brother would then bring encouragement to him, okay? What he's looking for is that when they meet, he would not only have the forgiveness of his brother, but it's, it's an atonement, okay? It's an atonement. Atonement isn't just something connected or related to spirituality. Atonement was also for the reconciling of broken relationships. So gifts were offered to help in the reconciling and reconciliation of broken friendships, broken relationships. You get where I'm going? So when you cook some tamales or buñuelos during the holidays and you send them to your prima or your primo that maybe you haven't been in the best of terms with, and you send your kids and you say, hey, go give these to your tia or your tío or whatever. Tell them I sent them. Okay? It's not just for, you follow me? It's not just for, hey, let me do what's right. It's because we want to bring reconciliation 
to lives, to relationships that have been severed, that have been temporarily broken. And I use that term intentionally because what the devil does isn't permanent unless you and I allow it to be. God had already gone before Esau. I'm going to give up some of this story because there's only 10 minutes left and I haven't even picked up the offering yet. I forgot. So we're going to fast forward, okay, and see that God had already gone before him. We're going to find out more about that in the chapters to come. But we see that God had already prepared Esau's heart. God had already been working on Esau's heart. A lot of times, we don't put enough trust in God. And what we think is, you know, severed, messed up, broken, God has been working on his own self over there on the other side, and we don't even know it. That's because we have doubt. That's because we have fear that drives us, right, that messes with our thoughts. And we think the worst things, and then all of a sudden, we see them somewhere, and it's like, I've missed you. They may not say those exact words, okay? They may not say those literal words, but many times, family members or friends will communicate in a roundabout way to say, I've missed you. To say, I've been praying for this. Sometimes we're too proud to admit, you know. To be the first ones to admit. Sometimes we're too proud. And it's that pride that keeps, you know, that separation, that division there. And God's been working the whole time. So God does something pretty powerful during the night. And I bring that up. And I'll close in a few minutes, okay? But I bring that up because for too long, we've given the enemy, we've given evil, we've given darkness a bad, you know, connotation or a bad, you know, vibe, if you want to say that. Not really a big fan of those types of words. Energy, vibe, I'm not into that. But we've given negative connotations to nighttime. But I'm here to remind us that our God is the God of daytime and the God of nighttime. Okay? None of it belongs to Satan. It all belongs to the Lord. Light and darkness, both God created it. If you go back to the beginning, it reminds us and it tells us both light and dark, both were created by God. And he was in the middle of all of it. And the chapter here tells us later on in the chapter. Because remember, this happened at night when he separated all these animals. So when he goes to sleep, it actually tells us that he rises at night. He doesn't wait for the morning. Something woke him up. The Lord woke him up. Have you ever been woken up in the middle of the night? Yeah? Yeah? I've been woken up in the middle of the night many times. And sometimes, yeah, I'm going to admit, I'll say, man, the devil's a liar. He's making me feel and think these things and I can't go to sleep. You know what? I'm challenging us tonight because the Lord has done that with me and he's correcting me and said, no, I'm the one waking you up. I'm the reason why you've been tossing and turning and you haven't been able to stay asleep. Because I'm trying to get your attention. I need some time with you. I want you to wrestle with me for a little while. So get your butt up, Joe, and I have to get up because I've been trying for like two hours <laughs> to go back to sleep, and I can't. My mind is going. My heart is going. I feel uncomfortable, and I start rebuking the devil as if it was always him. And then I have to calm down, and I say, okay, Lord, are you speaking to me right now? And I'll get up. There's been times I've woken up my wife. I need you to pray for me. I can't sleep. Wake up. Pray with me. Devil's messing with my head right now. Let's go there in the last five minutes. Is that okay? And look at what verse 22 says. And he arose that night. He didn't lay down. It says he arose that night. 
You guys with me? He arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed over. It's a valley. It's like a passageway, okay, where it says the fort of Jabbok. It sounds like something out of, like, Star Wars, okay? It's really cool. But it's actually just a passageway, like a valleyway that he's crossing through. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then, it says, Jacob was left alone. See, God has a purpose for all this stuff. He orchestrated this whole thing so cool. That's how God is. It says, Jacob was left alone. And a man, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. That means until sunrise. The whole night, he's wrestling with this man. It's dark. He can't see his face. He doesn't know who he is. That's why it says a man. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. At that point, an average, a normal person would give up, tap out. They're teaching our boys right now some of the moves at their dojo. When they do this, that means you got to stop. It's hurting, okay? Whatever move or lock they're doing, okay? And they'll do that. And that means you need to stop. You're about to break my arm. Any, any other person would have said, I'm done. He dislocated my hip. I can't even stand up anymore. I'm done. That's extremely painful. I've never experienced it, but I know folks who have. Any injury to the hip, joint, those sockets, it's painful. And it says here that he didn't let go. How many of us are holding on to God that way? How many of us are going after God to the point where it hurts sometimes? That what we have to let go of or that we have to put behind us, sometimes it's painful to do. And God is saying there are things, there is a purpose that I am calling you to. And yes, it's going to hurt. It's not always going to be easy. It's going to hurt. But we can't let go of the Lord. We can't let go of the Lord. We can't give up. We have to have the attitude that Jacob had. That when this happened, he says, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. How bad do we want God's blessing in our life? How bad do you want God's blessing in your life? How bad do you want your children to be blessed? How bad do you want your children or your grandchildren to be blessed? You know, folks, do not believe me when I tell them when you pray the scriptures over your life and over your family's life. I'm not kidding. When you take the scriptures and you begin to pray them every day, not just one time, not just once in a while. I've challenged myself to read with my oldest on the way to school or with any of our boys every day. We all pray in the car if we're together or not. Sometimes we split up, and Jess will take them on to one school, and I take Lucas to his school. Sometimes we're all together when we're fortunate enough to be together. But we've challenged ourselves. We pray on the way to school every morning. Now I'm challenging Lucas, you're going to read these psalms on the way to school in English and in Spanish. Do you think I want to do it every single morning? Sometimes I battle in my head, ah, just, just today, give it a break. Just today, it's okay. And I have to say, no, I'm not. I'd rather just hang out and talk to him, but you know what? I need him. That's how much I want God's blessing over his life when he's away from us, when he's at a public school, when he might be being taught things that we may not agree with, when he might be seeing things that we may not believe in. I'm teaching him. We're teaching him at home what we believe and what to stand on. But it's the blessing of God that we want over and covering over their life, that they would have favor. And even though right now they may not even understand it, one day when they're older, they will look back and they will say, oh, that's why my parents did what they did. Oh, that's why they had me read this passage. That when I'm feeling this way, I can go to that passage and I can say, he is my rock in my fortress in whom I will trust. So today I'm asking us, how bad do we want the blessing in our life? Do we want it to where we're only going to his word once in a while? Or do we want it 
to the point that, hey, even if it hurts, even when I don't feel like it, even when I feel I can't, I'm going to do it every day. But see, that's where the difference in our, in our life and in our perspective and how we follow God and how we're going to fulfill God's purpose in our life, that's where the difference comes in. Are we going to go after it every single day? And are we going to be persistent the way Jacob was? That even though it was painful, he couldn't even stand up. He continued to hold on and say, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. The guy was already blessed. What other more did he want? But he realized there's something greater here. There's a greater purpose. And I need you to bless me. And he says, what's your name? My name's Jacob. It's not going to be your name anymore. It wasn't that he was changing his identity. It was part of God's fulfillment and his call and his plan over his life. Are you tracking with me? When he was wrestling with him, he knew this guy is serious. This guy is persistent. This guy is not going to stop. And he knows that he has a great purpose in his life. He knows it. And so that's why today he says, I'm changing your name. But there's something significant here for all of us to take home as well is that when we find, watch this, when, we, when you and I find our identity, who we are in Jesus Christ, the one who created you and I, because he's the one that designed us, he's the one that formed you. When we find our identity in him, okay, God has and knows our true spiritual name. He knows what he's formed you and called each and every one of you, myself included, to be and to do in this life. He knows. And he saw who Jacob was. Jacob wasn't a deceiver. Jacob wasn't an overreacher. He was a man who knew his calling. He saw that he was somebody who did not give up. He was persistent. He was diligent. He was loyal. And he knew the purpose that God had on his life. He knew that it was huge. You and I have a great purpose that God has called us to. And that's to be his light in this darkness. His light in this world. To take the message of his son, the gospel, the message of the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ, to this entire planet. You and I have a great responsibility. If you've wondered, what's my purpose, Lord? Why am I here? That's it. That's the ultimate calling any, was, any one of us can have in this life is to just be the light of Jesus Christ. To be the difference in this world. And to not let go of God and stay right there next to him. That he may say, boom, that's who you are. That's who I've called you to be. Now go be it. That's all he was doing with Jacob in that moment. That's all he was being with him. That's who I've called you to be. Go for it. Now go and do it. And he says, from this point on, you will be Israel. You will be generous to the world. That's it. We're done. So as we leave today, let's ask the Lord. Lord, if you've called me to this, if you've given me a great purpose in life, bless me. Show me. Show me where to go. Give me your words. Give me the courage that I need. Let's ask the Lord. Lord, I want to be blessed. And as we leave tonight, as we pray to dismiss Let's take the challenge to seek the Lord no matter how hard it gets. Let's take the challenge to stay close to him, to be in his word, no matter how tired we are, how much is going on. We need to stay plugged in to the Lord every single day of our lives. Amen? Amen? We're going to dismiss. As we dismiss, we'll go ahead and pick up tithes and offering. Um, we can deposit them in the, in the box. Um, I'm going to ask Frank, if you don't mind, Frank, if you want to grab one of the bags in case anybody wants to come and deposit uh, in one of the bags, you guys can make your way up or you can just deposit in the boxes on your way out.
um, either way. But we'll dismiss. The guys will play some music, and we can deposit our offerings. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this great, great example in your son Jacob that you called to be after your own heart, to be a man that would be loyal, that would be diligent, that would continue to persist. He was persistent. He was persistent, and we want to follow you, Lord, in the same way. And so we ask that tonight you would give us this blessing. You would be with us as we go our separate ways, and that you would bless our household and our families, Lord Jesus. We pray all these things, and we also ask a blessing over our tithes and our offering, that you would bless our tithe and our offering, Lord, that it would continue to go forward for this ministry to continue to preach the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ, to the world. In your name we pray. And everyone says, amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you this week.